Welcome to Draftytopia. Chris Ransom and Joseph Potter here. And today we're going to preview the 2022 Stanley Cup Finals. But first, we're going to talk about the coaching carousel because the NHL coaching carousel is beginning to heat up. The first hire involved the New York Islanders replacing Barry Trotz with their AHL minor league hockey coach, Lou Lambert. Uh, the second hire took place last night when the Boston, when the Vegas Golden Knights officially named Boston Bruins head coach Bruce Cassidy, who took the Bruins to six consecutive playoff appearances before being fired, the new Vegas Golden Knights head coach. And the third coach that is about to be hired today, late last night, the Philadelphia Flyers offered the head coaching position to former Tampa Bay Lightning head coach John Tortorella, who was on the Tampa Bay Lightning's first Stanley Cup winning team in 2004 as their head coach prior to the NHL lockout. And there's two more names that are being thrown around. Peter DeBoer, who went from Vegas, is now the frontrunner to land the Dallas Stars head coaching job. And that's ironic because Dallas beat Vegas when they had Rick Bonus as an interim head coach, but DeBoer took the Devils to the 2012 Stanley Cup, and he also took the... He also took the San Jose Sharks to the 2016 Stanley Cup, and he took Vegas to the Western Conference Finals in 2020 during the COVID bubble. So Peter DeBoer is now emerging as the favorite for Dallas which leaves Barry Trotz in Boston or Winnipeg most likely because I don't know if he wants to go to Winnipeg with the Don Sweeney has a horrible track record as GM in terms of drafting. And I feel like if he went back to Winnipeg, he would have more control over players and player personnel. And it's also worth pointing out that Barry Trotz was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And a brewery in Winnipeg is offering Barry Trotz free beer if he goes to Winnipeg. So my guess is, is that DeBoer will end up in Dallas and Barry Trotz will end up in Winnipeg. I think Trotz is the best coach on the market outside of Bruce Cassidy. He's the only other coach I'd be excited about hiring since he won a Stanley Cup with the Capitals and took the Islanders to two straight Eastern Conference Finals before missing the playoffs this year. But... Bruce Cassidy, I think we both agree, that is the hire of these five, four or five coaching hires. Bruce Cassidy is the name that immediately pops up and stands out since he made the NHL playoffs in all six of his seasons as the Boston Bruins head coach, even with lackluster drafting from the general manager, Don Sweeney, in Boston, who still employed by the team. It's kind of like the Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson situation that went down in Philadelphia. Yeah, he's easily the best, easily, because uh, none of those Boston teams were really good. I mean, let alone great. They were not, I mean, they just weren't up to par. Yet, he, you know, did such a great job, you know, getting them to the playoffs every time. Um, you know, they had those, you know, they had a couple good players, but that was mostly coaching. I mean, so that is an amazing hire to get him. I mean, after the Bruins lost the 2019 Stanley Cup when they won the President's Trophy, it kind of just felt like their window of opportunity to win a Stanley Cup sort of evaporated after that. And, and I didn't even think they were Stanley Cup worthy. I, I think that was a lot of coaching there. I think he did a spectacular job um, and putting these guys in the best places to succeed and maximizing their talent levels. Um, I think a lot of Boston's window actually opened because of coaching. So, and know, he's going to have a lot more star power to work with in Las Vegas with guys like Alex Pietrangelo, Jack Eichel, Max Pacioretty, Riley Smith, the current captain of the Vegas Golden Knights. And the Boston Bruins' first-line right-winger, um, David Posternak, enters a contract year, and he's an unrestricted free agent. So 
he's only like 24, 25 years old, and I think Pasternak's the youngest winger on the Boston Bruins. So if the Bruins are heading for a rebuild, that's a guy Vegas could acquire at the 2023 NHL trade deadline, and he would be reunited with his old coach in Vegas. So just yeah. throwing that out there. Yeah, and uh, the other one that got me is uh, DeBoer. I mean, he, you know, he's been one of my favorite coaches for a long time. So he goes, ends up going to Dallas. That'd be a heck of a hire for them. That is not official yet, but he is the front runner. Last Thursday, Elliot Friedman reported that he is the front runner, and Philadelphia offered the head coaching job to John Tortorella. So. Tortorella took a year off. He got the Blue Jackets to the playoffs. They actually, Tortorella handed Tampa Bay their last defeat in the Stanley Cup playoffs when Columbus swept Tampa Bay back in 2019. So and now you got all these Philadelphia media outlets reporting that it's going to be Tortorella. But last night, Kevin Weeks reported that the uh, he's an NHL insider, really good insider for NHL Network. But last night, Kevin Weeks reported that John Tortorella was offered the head coaching job. Didn't take it, but he was offered the job. And this morning on Twitter, there's a lot of Philadelphia Flyer blogs saying that Tortorella is accepting the job and he's the third hire off the market. So, and, and I, I felt like it was appropriate since Tortorella did coach the Lightning in their first Stanley Cup in team history in 2004 before the lockout. And he's had some teams. He, he was on the Rangers when they lost the Bruins in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He was on the um, Columbus Blue Jackets. He got them out of the first round two years in a row in the 16-team playoff in 2019 when they swept the Lightning, who won the President's Trophy that year. And then he, uh, when the NHL did the 2014 playoff during COVID, he won the series against Toronto. So I didn't think he was terrible in Columbus. I just think the team, the team was just team was ready to move on from him at that point. So Tortorella is a decent hire, but I think there are better candidates like Barry Trotz and Peter DeBoer. And Barry Trotz took the Islanders to two Eastern Conference Finals, won the Stanley Cup with the Capitals over the Vegas Golden Knights in 2018. So Trotz and DeBoer are probably the best coaches on the market, Joey. But DeBoer's coaching style is a little bit more aggressive than Barry Trotz's. But the drawback with DeBoer is he's very conservative with his goalies. But overall, some pretty strong hires. Um, we'll get into the Braden Point news because I think Braden Point, I do want to break down the lineups for each team. But right now, Braden Point is likely to return for tonight's Stanley Cup after getting injured in the Game 7 against Toronto in the first period? Because you said somebody on Tampa Bay got injured in Game 7 against Toronto when you were watching that game at the bar. Yeah. That's the guy who got injured, and he is—he could return tonight. I think at the latest, he'll be back by Game 3 when the series goes to Tampa. That's assuming the Lightning don't play him tonight or in Game 2. I think he'd be back by Game 3 at the very latest. But I, I think with, with him back in the lineup, the Tampa Bay Lightning are at full health. They don't have any injuries. And I think that's a huge advantage for Tampa Bay. Now, to be fair, I'm the only member of Draft Utopia that had the Lightning winning this series. I'm going Tampa in six games. Tony Mario's a Lightning fan. He's got the Avalanche in seven. Lisa's got the Avalanche in seven. Andrew Kermish has the... Um, Lisa Donovan has the Avalanche in set of an Andrew Kermish went with the Colorado Avalanche in six, and Jason Bannel went with the Colorado Avalanche in five games. So, well, my thought on that is it all comes down to point because I saw that and I thought he tore his quad. When it happened, I'm like, he tore his quad. He didn't, thankfully. Because and the injury progress got better as each round of the series ended. Like, when he tore his quad, at first it looked like he was going to go on IR and get shut down for the year. Then they knock out the Florida Panthers and sweep them, so they get a little bit more time to rest, and he goes from being potentially placed on IR and done for the year to doubtful for the Eastern Conference Finals. Then by Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals, he's upgraded from doubtful to questionable. 
And after the Lightning won the Stanley Cup on Saturday, he got upgraded from questionable to day-to-day. So what that tell now he's practicing with the team and the power play unit. He's having fun. He's joking around with teammates, but he's also kind of serious. What that tells me is his progress from his quad injury has gotten a lot better since Game 7 against Toronto. Well, it, what it tells me is that they have been able to buy just enough time because I didn't think there was any way he would be back unless they made, like, it was like Game 4 of the Stanley Cup. But it showed me that they have bought enough time by strategic games to get him back a little bit earlier than what you would have thought. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, to get him a little more rest to, you know, make sure he's healthy. So, I don't expect him to play in Game 1, but because of the way things have fallen, I wouldn't at all be surprised if he showed up and played in game two, um, which is still at least one to two games before I thought he would have been ready. Because when the Lightning won their first Stanley Cup, their team captain, Steve Stamkos, was injured. He was out for most of the playoffs, but he came back for the Stanley Cup and he played like a, a minute or two. Brayden Point was the catalyst for that first Stanley Cup team, and he mainly played that first-line center role in the Lightning team that repeated. So everybody's thinking, oh, the Lightning are done without Braden Point. But the New York Rangers simply didn't have the center depth. Now, they did get a 2-0 series lead, and they led 2-0 in Game 3, but they kind of took their foot off the gas pedal like Colorado did against the Vegas Golden Knights last year. So that's And the Lightning were able to capitalize off of that, and they got pulled their act together and got to the Stanley Cup. And Cooper said that Grant Gallard and the Rangers might be here in a few years from now. So, I mean, the Lightning, I, I would think the Lightning, if Braden Point plays, it's not going to be on a first or second line capacity. It's going to be on a third line capacity in a limited role and maybe a second line power play unit where he's getting limited minutes at least for the first two games until the series goes back to Tampa for Game 3. I'm not saying Brain Point won't play on the first or second line with Stamkos. I'm saying he probably won't play on the first or second line at center until Game 3 of this series when it heads back to Tampa. That I, That's what I'm saying. I'm thinking if he doesn't yeah. play tonight, he'll play Game 2 in a limited capacity on a, th- on a third line where Stamkos would be on line 1, Nick Paul or Anthony Sorelli would be on line 2, um, he would be, Braden Point would be on line three and the other guy would be on line four at center. That's kind of what I'm thinking would happen with... Yeah, you just kind of let him ease his way back in because, I mean, he's he's been gone a while. Been, so, um, I know it's been over a month because it's been a couple weeks since I've been at their scouters. So, you know, just let him get a feel for the game before throwing him in there because he very well may be the key to the Lightning winning this thing. So you don't want to throw him in there and have him, you know, not quite himself and maybe costing goals when he is the one that would normally be making stuff happen. That's why I think he'll end up playing on the third line. If he plays tonight, he'll be on the third line in a limited role, and it'll be that way for Game 2 as well. And then when that series heads to Tampa, they'll give him a second-line role. They'll give him a little bit more minutes if he can play well. Well, if he plays in Game 1 in a limited role, I would expect him to be full go in Game 2. I mean, he is a professional. Yeah, he is. Just because you need to, you know, make sure he's ready to rock and roll doesn't mean that, you know, once you do that, he's a professional. You're throwing him out there, you know. Just giving him time to rev his engines is one thing, you know. Slow playing, it could cost you the Stanley Cup, you know. Yeah. If he plays tonight on a second or third line basis, he's going to be out there. Yeah. Braid Point is a professional, as you stated, and he's a guy I had a first or second round grade on in the 2014 NHL draft, and he fell to the lightning in the third round that year. 
and the Lightning got a tremendous steal and amazing value pick with him. But here are the projected lineups if Braden Point doesn't play. Andrej Palat, Steven Stamkos, Nikita Kucherov would be on the first line. Braden Hagel, Brandon Hagel, who the Lightning got at the 2022 NHL trade deadline, would play line two left winger. Sorelli would play second line center. And Alex Killorn, another veteran on this Lightning team, would play line two right winger. Right now, Ross Colton, Nick Paul, who scored the two goals in game seven against Toronto, and Corey Perry are playing on the third line. I think Nick Paul would get Nick Paul or Sorelli would get moved down to the fourth line with Patrick Maroon and Riley Nash if Braden Point plays. And if he doesn't play, Pierre Edouard Bellamar is playing. And Bellamar for me, I think he's the worst center of the five on the Lightning. But if you get Braden Point back, you don't have to play Pierre Edouard Bellamar. And your team's at 100% health, no injuries. Well, I really like Paul. Uh, I thought he's had I thought he's had a really good playoffs so far. Uh, I think he may be key, so I don't see him moving down. So I think, you know, that it'd be uh, the other side that moves down. You mean Sorelli? Because Sorelli's a guy Tampa Bay can trade in the offseason because Tampa Bay has zero cap space heading into the free agency period for next season. They're not the negative, but they have exactly zero dollars in cap space. And Sorelli is a guy Tampa Bay could move to save like $4.9 million in cap space if they were to move him. He's 24 years old, and he's, he's a good player, but he's not, he's not a star player. He's an effective center, but he's not a star center like Stamkos or Braden Point. So, yeah. I don't see him on the same level as Paul or their first line or, you know, Braden Point. Those guys yet. Yeah, Stamkos is the captain as well as the first line center. Braden Point is the guy who led the Lightning in points the last two playoff runs. Yeah. He's young. He's got a lot to work on. He's got a lot to improve on. I wouldn't say just go trade him. He's 24 years old. But I would say that, you know, with Paul there, if you're telling me to go between the two, I'm going with Paul. Because Paul has shown more in this playoff run right now than it really has. And I'm... So, and, you know, Stanley Cup, you go with the hot hand. Exactly. I mean, the Lightning Blue Line, they have Victor Hedman and John Ruda, who's in, an, who's in a contract year as their top two defensemen, with Ruda playing on the first line, complementing Victor Hedman. Then Eric Cernok and Ryan McDonough are on the second line. And then Zach Bogosian and Mikhail Sergachev are on the third line for this Lightning defense. And it's been a very consistent defense McDonough and Cernak have been reliable. Um, Bogosian was a third overall draft pick in the 2008 NHL draft by the Atlanta Thrashers. His career never really took off until he got to Tampa, but he's a nice third-line center. And Mikhail Sergachev, he's been pretty consistent during the regular season. I remember when Sergachev was drafted by Montreal in the 2016 NHL draft Ninth overall, and then Iserman, who was the Lightning GM at the time, he traded his draft bust, Jonathan Drew, into Montreal for Mikhail Sergachev. And I would argue Iserman's won that trade easily because Sergachev's been a 30 to 40 point player every year in the regular season with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And he's, he's never had a plus minus ratio in the negative in, in his entire NHL career. And that was his concern coming out of the NHL draft. He had a negative plus-minus ratio, so he had to go back to juniors to improve that for a year, and he did, and he's been a very effective role player ever since, and Sergachev's only 23 years old, so if I have to trade Cernak to save $2.9 million in the offseason, and I'm choosing between Sergachev and Sorelli, Sorelli's 24, 
Sergachev's 23, I'm probably choosing to move Sorelli in that situation. It's not that I want to. It's that I may have to if I want to re-sign Nick Paul to a cheap, team-friendly deal. Yeah, and I I think, you know, Sergachev and Paul in this Stanley Cup, or they're going to have to... I think those two may be the keys on either side for the Lightning. Um, you know, if injuries notwithstanding and how the injury plays out here that we've been talking about earlier, um, you know, that those two could be the keys on each side. I think, you know, it's not going to be the stars in this setting. I I think for the Lightning, it's going to be, you know, those guys that, you know, who's going to emerge. Because if they emerge, you know, the Lightning's going to be, they've been playing well, but if they can go over the top in the Stanley Cup, hey, I mean, they could be the two keys to victory in this. And it could also, as you stated, you know, put the door or put the nail in the door of that trade speculation. Yeah, and Tampa Bay has 2017 first-round pick Kalan Foote, the the oldest son of Adam Foote, on their roster as a defenseman. But they scratched him from the lineup for the Stanley Cup because they were playing John Ruta at forward because of how thin... After Braden Point got injured, Tampa Bay was playing John Ruta at forward due to how thin their offense was without Point. But... John Ruta is moving back to defense. Kalan Foote's been scratched from the lineup. But that's not to say that Kalan Foote's a terrible player. He's still under contract. He would probably come up to replace Cernak if Tampa Bay traded Cernak to create some cap space since Cernak will be in a contract year next season. So Foote would probably replace Cernak. There'd be no drop-off in the blue line play unless you lose John Ruta. Or you could keep Cernak and have Kalan Foot replace Ruda, who's an unrestricted free agent, and you'd still have six effective defensemen along with your goalie, Andre Vasilevsky. And Tampa Bay just has a pretty good core. Um, they've got Kalorn, Perry, Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman on the first power play line. But we'll get to Colorado. And they've got Andre Vasilevsky at goalie who's probably the best goalie in the NHL. But we'll talk about Colorado now. Um, yeah, we're still on Anchor. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that Anchor didn't cancel and, us. But, yeah. I know, I know uh, you know, most of Draftutopia is high on the uh, avalanche for this Stanley Cup. But I'm telling you, the avalanche's offense, they're going to have to show up and they're going to have to be aggressive. Tampa Bay's defense has been aggressive, they've been hard-hitting, and they've been getting after So I think it's, it's going to be tough for uh, Colorado in this series. So, Chris? That's why I picked Tampa Bay to win. Not only is Tampa Bay the healthier team, if Brayden Point comes back, their forward depth is just as good as the Avalanche's forward depth. And the Avalanche have a few key injuries right now. They are getting goalie Darcy Cooper back for the Stanley Cup Finals. But Samuel Girard got injured in the divisional round against the St. Louis Blues. And Nazem Kadri got injured in the divisional round against the St. Louis Blues as well. I mean, it's so bad that Miko Ranton, the first-line right-winger that plays with McKinnon and Landeskog... He's had to move down to center. Like, McKinnon, Miko Rantan's always been a right winger. He's not a center. He's a right winger. But they moved him to center because of Nazem Kadri's injury. And they did trade for Nico Sturm, who's a center in a contract here. But I guess he got scratched for the lineup. But Joe Sackett traded Tyson Yost, the Colorado Avalanche 2016 first-round pick, to get Nico Sturm, who's in a contract year. Nico Sturm was a third, fourth-line center on the Minnesota Wild. Sackett thought maybe that would be a good addition, but Nico Sturm's hardly played in these playoffs, and 
with Nazem Kadri injured for the second. Last year, Nazem Kadri was suspended for the entire series against Vegas for a dirty hit. This time, it's an injury. But with Kadri injured, Tyson Yost would have been a good player to have on this team. So I think the decision to trade for Tyson Yost could be what ends up costing the Avalanche a Stanley Cup since they traded him to get Nico Sturm, and Nico Sturm's hardly played. But right now, Miko Rantanen, who's a first-line right-winger, is set as the second-line center, which Valerie Nichushkin, one of the two wingers in a contract year, playing on the first line with Landis Cog and McKinnon. And then you've got Arturi Likunin, who scored the overtime goal against the Edmonton Oilers. Colorado got him at the trade deadline when they moved Justin Bear and one of their first-round picks in the NHL draft to Montreal to get Arturi Likonin, a player that can help the team win now. And Likonin's a young, restricted free agent, so he's going to be back with Colorado next year. Andre Burakovsky's another player that is a unrestricted free agent and a top 15 player in free agency, along with Valerie Nichushkin next year. So Nichushkin and Burakovsky are going to be the first two right-wingers, but Rantanen's going to be making that transition to center. And then you got J.T. Kompfer, Back next year, entering a contract year as the third-line center with Alex Newhook, Colorado's second 2019 first-round pick as the third-line left-winger, and Nicholas Aub-Kubel as that third-line right-winger. And fourth-line features Andrew Cogliano, Darren Helm, who scored against Edmonton, and Logan O'Connor. And Comfer's a good third-line center in a contract year. Darren Helm's going to be unrestricted free agent. But I would argue this might be Colorado's window of opportunity to win a Stanley Cup because they're not going to have Nazem Kadri back next year. They're not going to have Nachushkin, Burakovsky, three of the top 15 unrestricted free agents at during the free agency period are on Colorado. Tampa Bay only loses two free agents. Um, those two free agents are Andres Palat and Nick Paul. They get everyone else back next year. So... Tampa Bay's in a much better long-term position than Colorado, too, whereas Colorado doesn't win it this year, and they lose their they lose one of their two goalies and three top 15 skaters to free agency. I'm not sure they can come back from that, Joey. I honestly am not sure they can. I'm not saying they don't have a shot to win this series. I'm saying if they don't win the series this year, their Stanley Cup window of opportunity might close until they retool their team. And my thought is here, with all these injuries going against an incredibly aggressive defense and the guy that you look to to be kind of an enforcer is also injured that just doesn't seem like a great combination not, like you said not saying they can't win but it's going to be a lot tougher than I think a lot of people think it will be for them yeah, and you look at the defensive lines. Kale McCarr and Devin Toes, the two first-line defensemen, are both fully healthy. Josh Manson, Colorado traded um, for Josh Manson, one of the defensemen on the Anaheim Ducks in a contract year at the trade deadline. Um, they also have Jack Johnson playing. Now, Samuel Girard is a second-line defenseman for Colorado, but Girard is injured. Girard is the number three defenseman on Colorado when fully healthy. He's injured, so... Jack Johnson, who they brought in for a team tryout, who struggled in the past. He struggled with the L.A. He got drafted by the L.A. Kings. He was Drew Doughty's Batman early in his career. Then he went to Columbus at the 2012 trade deadline. He did okay there. Then he went to Pittsburgh, where he completely sucked. Then he went to the Rangers for a year. He wasn't very effective there. So Colorado gave him a one-year $750,000 tryout contract and he made the team via tryout but he's been a healthy scratch from the lineup for most of this year but Colorado has two defensemen injured Ryan Murray and Samuel Girard and I think without those two defensemen if they had both of those defensemen at full health along with Jack Johnson I would probably pick Colorado to win this series Joey but the fact that Ryan Murray and Samuel Girard, who's the best offensive defenseman outside of Kale McCarr on Colorado, that's going to limit how effective their power play is. Now, they've been able to coast by the Western Conference, but the point is, 
The Blues were the healthiest team Colorado faced in the in the entire playoffs, and they pushed Colorado to six games. And you look at Edmonton. Edmonton didn't really have a good goalie. I mean, they had Mike Smith, who was playing out of his mind. But Edmonton's path to the Western Conference Finals, they went up against an L.A. Kings team that had Drew Doughty, their best defenseman on IR, and then they faced a Calgary Flames team that didn't have Sean Monaghan their second-line center on IR, who actually began his career as the first-line center in Calgary as a rookie following the 2013 NHL draft. Monaghan had a hip injury, and the media completely downplayed the fact that Sean Monaghan had a hip injury for Calgary. But that was the biggest reason why I thought the Dallas Stars might beat Calgary. And Calgary beat Dallas in Game 7, but they had to go to overtime to get the game-winning goal. And after scoring nine goals on Edmonton in Game 1, Calgary just completely shit the bed. I mean, lost four in a row to Edmonton, and then Colorado swept Edmonton. So that's the thing. St. Louis was the most competitive team Colorado faced, and Edmonton was competitive, but they didn't want it as much as Colorado. Like, all Colorado had lost in the divisional round three years in a row, and they had to go through three brutal, two brutal Game 7 losses and then they lost to Vegas last year after leading that series 2-0. Colorado's gone through more growing pains than Edmonton. Even though I do like Edmonton's core a lot, Colorado went through more growing pains, and they were able to sweep Edmonton with their backup goalie. So they're more of a veteran team than Edmonton is. And I'm not saying Colorado can't win this series, but I think the injuries to Samuel Girard, you're third best defenseman out of the six defensemen you have, and Nazem Kadri, the line two center, the best center outside of Nate McKinnon on this entire Avalanche team. Without those two guys, I just can't see Tampa, Colorado winning four out of seven against Tampa Bay. Especially if Braden Point comes back, and that's really my entire point for why I'm picking Tampa to win in six games, Joey. Nazem Kadri could be back by Game 6. That is a projection. He's not on, he's, he's not on IR, but he is doubtful until Game. He's out, like he's not questionable or a day-to-day injury. On DailyFaceOff.com, he's reported as out. But they're saying he could come back for Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Finals. I think if I here's Lisa Donovan does have the Avalanche winning in seven, but she has the Lightning taking a three-one series lead. Colorado winning Game Five with home ice. Kadri coming back for Game Six, and then Kadri scoring the game-winning goal in Game Seven with Colorado having home ice and Colorado pulling off a three-one comeback like the 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers or the 2016 Chicago Cubs. So Lisa actually has the Lightning going up 3-1 and then the Avalanche winning three consecutive games, which, as incredible as that would be to see as a sports fan, I just don't see the Tampa Bay Lightning losing three games in a row in these playoffs. They're just too disciplined. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I don't see it either, especially since they're probably going to be completely healthy before that. Um, so, yeah, game six, that... If he came back in like game two or three, I would say, okay, there's you know, great chance it goes to seven. But game six, that's yeah, you know, it would be tough. And he would need a game to get readjusted to things in Tampa before you played him full time in that decisive game seven. And I you know, usually if in most sports I'd say just throw him in there. Hockey's a tough sport. Um, let's face it. I'm not the, you know, most learned, you know, hockey person. I'm not going to spout rules at you or regulations or anything. But that don't mean I don't understand that hockey is rough. And coming back is 
difficult, especially if you're in a situation. It's like, I don't envy these guys. They're in the Stanley Cup, and they're trying to come back from injury. You know, that's not going to be an easy one. That's not easy coming back from injury the first few games in, you know, the NHL normally because hockey is a rough sport. Yeah, and Lightning head coach John Cooper said in his press conference, if Braden Point doesn't play tomorrow night, we think he'll be cleared by Saturday for Game 2. So whichever game Braden Point plays in, that's the game Tampa Bay steals in Colorado. So if Braden Point doesn't play tonight, the Avalanche win Game 1. If Point plays tonight, the Lightning steal Game 1, and then the Avalanche win Game 2, and vice versa. I think the Lightning end up winning both games 3 and 4 in Tampa to take a 3-1 series lead. The Avalanche winning game 5 in front of their home crowd to starve off elimination, and then the Lightning take care of business in game 6, even with Nazem Kadri back. So while you're getting Kadri back, you're losing Samuel Girard. And Samuel Girard is your best defenseman for the power play outside of Kale McCarr. I don't think people realize how huge of a loss that is. Because I remember watching Samuel Girard in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and the guy just wowed me as an offensive defenseman. So, not having him in the lineup, you may have been able to get power play goals without him against teams like Edmonton, who aren't as defensively disciplined as the Tampa Bay Lightning. But, that's not going to fly against the Lightning. And I think that Avalanche would have had problems against the New York Rangers, too, because the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning have the two best defenses and the two best goalies of the four remaining teams in the playoffs. Now, the, granted, the Rangers aren't as deep at center as Colorado, but that would have been a more favorable matchup for Colorado than, say, a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning. And the Rangers had home ice against Tampa, and they couldn't beat the Lightning, so... I think the Lightning win it in six games, and I'm aware of the fact that Vasilevsky's had some bad games against the Avalanche in the past, but I think the fact that Pavel Frank Kuhn started each game against Edmonton while Darcy Kumper was recovering from an injury, Kumper's back. Is there going to be friction between the two goalies? If Is the coach going to have to make a goalie change in the Stanley Cup Finals, or is Kumper starting? We don't really know if Frank Kuz or Kumper is starting for Colorado either. So... That's the thing. If he chooses to start Frank Kuz, the backup, over the incumbent starter, Kumper, who's in a contract year, is that going to create some friction with the goalies in the locker room? So, And Vasilevsky's just the best goalie in the NHL, too. That's the other thing. So that's why I've got the Lightning in six games, Joey. You might have the Lightning in seven, but Colorado has home ice in this series, and I, don't, and I think the Lightning know the ramifications of what's going to happen if it goes to Game 7. Because I genuinely believe if this series does go to 7, Colorado will win it. I'm not disagreeing with our staff. Jason Bannell, Tony Mario, Lisa Donovan, and Andrew Kermish all picked the Avalanche to win this series. Granted, I think we're the only ones that have the Lightning winning it. Yeah. Now, Chris, I've got a, here's a question. I want us both to give our bold predictions for Game 1. Go ahead and start it off. All right. My bold prediction for game one is that Alex Killorn, the second-line right-winger on the Tampa Bay Lightning, will get the game-winning goal tonight in a 2-1 to victory, assuming Brain Point returns. Now, if Brain Point doesn't return, the guy on Colorado who will get the game-winning goal is going to be Alex Newhook, the third-line left-winger for Colorado. One of Colorado's two 2019 first-round picks, very good role player. Um, They got him at like 17 or 18 that year, and they got Bowen Byram, a defenseman, fourth overall in 2019, but they've been giving Byram third-line minutes, which I don't understand. I think he's good enough to play on the second line. He was the fourth player or first defenseman drafted in 2019 and I would think if you drafted him fourth overall same spot you got Kale McCarr in he could handle those second line minutes with Gerard injured but also here's another good story Eric Johnson I think if the Colorado Avalanche win the Stanley Cup Eric Johnson should be the first player to touch the cup why well Eric Johnson was drafted first overall by the St. Louis Blues in 2006 
didn't have quite the career many expected him to have in St. Louis, and he couldn't stay healthy, so the Blues traded him to Colorado. 16 years later, Eric Johnson's in his first Stanley Cup after other prominent draft picks from 2006, like Jordan Stahl with the Penguins, now on the Hurricanes, Jonathan Taves, Blackhawks, three Stanley Cups, Kopitar, LA Kings, two Stanley Cups. Those guys have all touched the cup. This, guy's ha- this guy went number one overall, and he's had to wait 15 years, 16 years just to play for a Stanley Cup. Can you imagine being through that type of pressure, that type of adversity? I think if Colorado steals this series, Eric Johnson's going to be the guy that has to step up because he went number one overall in the draft. And there are at least Backstrom, there's at least four or five other players from that 06 NHL draft that have won the Stanley Cup. So I imagine there's a huge chip on Eric Johnson's shoulder. If Colorado wins this series, he's going to have to step up on the blue line and outplay the guys in the Lightning's blue line, which is not going to be an easy task. And my bold prediction is that there will be at least five goals scored tonight. So you've got a 3-2 game. I'm guessing it's contingent on whether or not Braden Point plays. No. No. It's, there will be at least five goals scored tonight. I'm not saying which team's going to get which amount. Just five or more. So a minimum final score of 3-2, to two, but you're not specifying what, what team wins. No, it could be 3-2. It could be 4-1. It could be 5 nothing. Five or more goals. A minimum of five goals scored. I think the over-under for the Stanley Cup goals scored is, um, I think it's, is it five or five and a half? I think it's like five or five and a half. That's the over-under for goals scored. It might be three and a half because both teams are so good defensively. And if that's the case, you might want to get on DraftKings or FanDuel and bet on the over. Yeah, and if you're in Alabama or Pennsylvania or a state that's gambling, you may want to get on one of those apps and check that out. Okay, so, um, and it's interesting, I'm not sat, so yeah, um, I just did finish round six of my NHL mock draft and I bought the Hockey News um, yearly draft magazine, so I have a digital copy of that. I found some guys in their top 100 that made it to round seven, so whenever I get a chance to do round seven of the NHL draft, I'll edit that. Um, I've got Colorado's first pick in the draft doesn't happen until round three, but I've got them taking Merrick Hayduke. He is the son of Milan Hayduke, Joe Sackett's old teammate on the Colorado Avalanche. So, And he's got a hockey scholarship to Harvard, too, so I think... Colorado takes him if he's there in the third round because of the family pedigree. We've seen um, Josh Doan was the son of Shane Doan, and the Coyotes took uh, Josh. Shane Doan was their most iconic player, and they took his son in the second round of last year's draft. And the Lightning, Lightning have a first-round pick, but they don't pick again until, I think, the end of the fourth round. No, they don't pick again until uh, they have a third-round pick from the Blackhawks, and then they don't pick again until the end of the fifth round. So that's the thing. And the Lightning don't have a 2023 or 2024 first-round pick. So are the Lightning going to keep that pick, or are they going to try to trade down and get more picks? That's going to be a very interesting dilemma at the NHL draft in July, which will be in Montreal. But I'm not really going to worry too much on that. Um, On Saturday, we'll be breaking down the NBA draft on TalkShoe. and we'll f- you'll find out what I have each team doing in my two-round NBA mock draft on Saturday. And the Orlando Magic will be on the clock. This will be the third time, fourth time in team history the Magic have had the number one pick. They got the, uh, there's a documentary called This Magic Moment about how they won the uh, Shaquille O'Neal lottery and how they won the Chris Webber lottery with only one lottery ball. And then they, um traded that pick to get Penny Hardaway, who went third overall to Golden State. Then the Magic took Dwight Howard in 2004, and then 
18 years later, they are picking at number one again. And they've always gone with a center or power forward at number one. I do have one of the power forwards going to Orlando. But you'll have to find out on Saturday whether Jabari Smith Jr., Auburn power forward, Gonzaga center, Chet Holmgren, or Duke power forward, Paolo Banchero, goes number one overall to Orlando. And why that's the case, I'll reveal on Saturday, but involves one of the team's players, Jonathan Isaac. But I'll, I'll bring that I'll bring that up a little bit more on Saturday. And Orr and I will be back tomorrow night on Anchor or Friday because Orrin said he did want to do a podcast on Anchor breaking down some NFL news. And I think the only NFL news that's happened is like the Aaron Donald extension, the Cooper Cup extension, and the Deshaun Watson cases. It's just been a pretty quiet time in the NFL right now. The Bills picked up the former Jets right guard, Greg Van Roten, as a backup, but it's been a pretty quiet time in the offseason for the most part, even with guys like Odell Beckham and Joe Hayden still in the market. It's just been a pretty quiet NFL offseason after the draft, you know? Um, yeah. And it's like, I've sent you a couple things, but even those aren't really groundquaking. They're just like, okay, they're there. It's like... I mean, the most interesting NFL news is that Little Caesars is taking over for Pizza Hut as the main sponsor. Because Papa John's was the original pizza sponsor of the NFL. Then Papa John's had the racist comments. And then they replaced Papa John's with Pizza Hut to save face. And Little Caesars isn't quite the pizza chain that Pizza Hut or Domino's is. So we could be looking at Domino's being the pizza sponsor of the NFL by 2030 if Little Caesars were to go bankrupt or if something were to happen, like let's say the Little Caesars and the NFL have a poor relationship. But dumping Pizza Hut for Little Caesars just seems like a questionable decision to me, but it's a pizza sponsor, it's whatever. Little Caesars has been around for years. It's not what it used to be, and it's that's mainly because of the emergence of new companies, you know, growing and spreading out. But it, you know, they are Little Caesars is really good at marketing. So I mean, it could turn out very well for both uh, parties because Little Caesars this would be their first major sponsorship in what a decade, two dec- decade and a half at least. And with, you know, with the way they can market and do things, I mean, it could turn out well for the NFL as well. So, I mean, this could end up being a very, very good partnership for both of them. But I don't know why the NFL just dropped Pizza Hut. Did, was, if Little Caesars was willing to pay more than Pizza Hut for the rights then I understand the decision entirely. The company right now is not doing well, so there may have, that may have been something to do with it. It may have ended up being a mutual parting. So, you know, that could be part of it. Yeah. But, yeah, so what's going to happen on Talk Shoe is episode 774 will cover the NBA draft and then... uh then we'll have the actual NBA draft results next Thursday on TalkShoe for 775. And then we then we can decide, yeah, if West because that's going to be on Twitter Spaces too, where Wes Langley and myself break down every pick in the NBA draft like we did last year on Anchor, except that's going to be on Twitter Spaces. So fans, they can engage with us. They can ask us questions. Florian and I did an MLS draft special on Twitter Spaces. And we had MLS Gone Wild, a MLS draft podcaster on the show with us to break down some of the picks. And it was a pretty fun time. We had other people listening live on Twitter Spaces. So Wes and I will be covering the NBA draft on Twitter Spaces in eight days. So if that goes well, I'm I'm probably going to try to get the um, NHL and MLB drafts on Twitter Spaces and then apply for monetization. Because if you're 18 years old, you have 1,000 Twitter followers and you've done three Twitter space streams in the past three months, you can apply for monetization on Twitter. So we'll cover the drafts for the NBA, NHL, and MLB on Twitter spaces. Then we'll apply for monetization, and if we get it, 
we'll, I'll probably try to do a weekly sports show in August. But if I don't get it, I'm just going to go back to coding and doing normal stuff because I've got a lot on my plate. Joey's got a lot of things he's got to do as well with his work schedule and Walmart. And before we sign off, Joey, who do you have winning this series? What is your prediction for this series? It's my last question. As it stands right now, uh, with injuries and everything, I've got to go with Tampa because I, Colorado's injuries, it would have been tough, a tough series without them, but with them, it's going to be really tough for them to win. Because if they had a fully healthy Nazem Kadri or a fully healthy Samuel Girard, I actually think they might win this series in seven games. This series would have gone seven games. I think if they had both of those guys, this series goes seven games, and then it's a toss-up between them and Tampa. But those two injuries are why I've got the Lightning winning in six games. So are you going Lightning in six, Lightning in five, or Lightning in seven? Because I don't think this is going to be a sweep. There's too much star power on both of these franchises for one team to just sweep the other. Yeah, I don't think it gets to seven, so... I'll go with Lightning in six. So Joe, Potter, and myself both have the Tampa Bay Lightning defeating the Colorado Avalanche in six games at Amelie Arena, home of the Tampa Bay Lightning, to win their third straight Stanley Cup. And this would be the second cup in a row where Tampa Bay wins it in front of their home fans. They, they defeated Montreal in five games last year and won the Stanley Cup in front of their home fans after... Nobody could attend games in Tampa during the COVID, during COVID like in 2020, because they had the COVID bubble in Edmonton. So, yeah, that's pretty big news there. And Lightning, they would be the first team since the New York Islanders teams in the early 80s to three-peat. So, and Patrick Maroon, the fourth line... Um, Left winger on Tampa Bay won a Stanley Cup with the Blues in 2019 before going to Tampa Bay. So he's now won 15 consecutive playoff series. If the Lightning three-peat, it'll be the 16th consecutive playoff series win for Patrick Maroon. It's insane. One player winning the Stanley Cup three years in a row could win the Cup for a fourth year in a row. That's insane. It's unheard of. But... We're happy for Maroon if that's the case. All right. Anything you want to add before we sign off on Anchor, Joey? No, I think we covered what we went out to cover today. All right. Have, enjoy game one of the Stanley Cup Finals. This is going to be a great game. You can catch game one of the Stanley Cup Finals. and Every game of the Stanley Cup Finals on ABC. Game six of the NBA Finals. Also on ABC tomorrow. A must-win for the... Uh, Boston Celtics at TD Garden tomorrow night. And then Game 7 would be on Father's Day on Sunday after Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals should the Celtics win and force a Game 7 in Golden State. And if the Warriors win in Boston tomorrow night, they would be crowned the NBA Finals trophy in front of a bunch of diehard Celtics fans. So that'll be interesting, but we'll talk more NBA on Saturday. That's Joseph Potter. I'm Chris Ransom. We're signing off.